Hey, Aaron. <laughs> What's up? What are you up to? Tell me everything. Tell me something good. I mean, I just found a lipstick that will tattoo on my lips and your. <laughs> setting this motherfucker on fire. I hope you die. Not you, Aaron. This thing. So, folks who are, <laughs> folks who are playing at home. My entire soundproof wall came down. I've already bitched about this on Patreon. And I fixed it all, except there's this one... So you're welcome for getting to listen to it twice. Yeah, there's this one fucking block right here. This motherfucker who won't stay. And I'm pointing to it on camera. And I need y'all to just pretend that um, Matt Damon's more handsome brother is pointing to a square on the wall just so you can get the full effect. Because um, that's yeah. loosely what I look like. Matt Damon's handsomer younger brother. Um, handsomer? Handsomer, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, I watched this movie today, and then I realized, I got all the way through it, and then realized there's a part two. What? And I didn't watch it, because this covered up until, like, the murders and, like, afterwards. Okay. And, um, I guess the part two covers her trials. Um trials but I yeah. figured you would have all that information and so there was really no reason for me to move on and watch that although I may watch it for funsies later well then I'm just going to say that I for real I didn't slack but as I did notes I was like at this point everyone has seen one of these movies or Dear John Dirty John I mean or what was it mm -hmm. yeah I, so at this point I feel like everyone knows this case so I did do research it's not like I didn't but now I'm like maybe mm -hmm. I don't have enough information so we'll see well and I feel like so, first of all this week we're doing the Betty Broderick story and I feel like this movie went really easy on Dan Broderick okay because he's kind of a fucking douche uh-huh. If I remember the real story correctly. And this one, like, really, like, glosses over that fact. And this very much makes it out to be that, like, Betty was just crazy. Which, she was fucking crazy, but um, so she had help. I'm going to be honest. My notes are not as critical, I think, as you would like of of Dan. Um, just insofar as I really do try to report things that I have no. evidence to back up. And I know you know that. Um, I'm not denying that any of the abuse that is put forth did existed. I, we just, like I said last week, also when I don't have police reports or anything to substantiate it, I want to be as fair to the evidence that I have. And I know that that becomes such a like dangerous tightrope to walk because we know that women don't report things because please don't take them seriously. Like we, we know that it's a fruitless effort. And so I never want to downplay what women have been through. I just also only have what I have, you know? Well, this doesn't even really cover the alleged abuse at all. Okay, good. So I will at least cover so, it. This really skates over her and maybe they cover it in the second movie and I just missed out on all the, all the juicy stuff. But, um, this movie kind of paints him out to be like an innocent victim of a woman who just went like cuckoo bananas and, you know, murdered him. Right. And I, I just think this story is way more complex than that. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. 
I just want to like say that at the top. <laughs> I um, am yeah. concerned that we are already talking about the case. Normally we like vamp, or but we were like, nope, let's get straight into it. Part of it is that we just recorded an hour-long Patreon complete with mm-hmm. uh, sparkly unicorns, so we're kind of in a stride. I mean, if you're not on our Patreon, you got to you got to join just for the sparkly unicorns. Yes. <laughs> so, actually this week is a really, you know, I don't have a lot of good things to say about last week. It was really just a bunch of shit. It was awful. So, um my phone said I needed to remember this. Oh, That's baby. His first day with us. And I need a bunkin. Less than a, a month from the anniversary of him coming to live with us. Oh my gosh. In yeah. a hurricane. Yeah, in a hurricane. Um, oh, uh, so last week sucked. This week, um, I moved to the university probably around Wednesday where I'll stay through the weekend basically I mean I will come home and like change clothes and stuff but I'm basically gonna be there all the time um feed your toast recruitment this weekend yes can you feed my oh I did (laughs) can you take your toast with you to school and just convince people it's your meal surely she's well behaved and we'll just sit there I'd have to give her a lot more drugs (laughs) y'all my cat like She's really nervous, and she, like, when she gets really anxious, she pulls her hair out um, of her legs and her tail and, like, kind of all over. And so I, first I ordered, like, a, like a, 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 a cone bowl, but it's in the shape of a piece of toast. So she looks like a piece of, she looks like an egg in the hole. And, and that didn't work, so today I talked to somebody that I know and gave her, like, a half of a half of a half of a Xanax. Yes. And she is still... This was, like, hours ago, and she is still just stoned out of her gourd, so good for her. I wish I was. Can you send me the rest <laughs> of that Xanax? No, it's mine. Just just text it to me or however that works. One, one day they have to make technology where we can text things to people. For sure. I'm pretty sure that's just Amazon that you're thinking of. Fair. Um, Yeah. So this next week is going to be super busy. Last week was an absolute shit show. Um, I keep thinking your wife is walking in to talk to you, but she's not because you're not at home and I don't know what you're doing. Oh, do you remember me showing you how I was going to fix my story? I have that whole wall of note cards right beside me. Okay. I was reading them again. So just not paying attention to me at all. I was listening. <laughs> you said. Yep, that's what I said. Nailed it. Um. So yeah, it's gonna be a crazy week. Um, are y'all and going to holiday, so be yay. like the um, bid day that overtook TikTok, or are y'all gonna do it bigger? Um, are y'all gonna go viral and? If so, I'm going to have several questions. Can, okay, listen, I know that it starts on Wednesday. And that this gives me very well, little time to prepare. it really starts on Thursday, but yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Can you do this whole process the Bachelor style and I will come be 
your presenter and I will just like send girls home like I'm sorry Um, the council has decided you are too ugly and I'm going to take their rose instead of give them roses so that way ABC can't sue us carnation that is not how any of this works (laughs) listen my fraternity was a secret society so our process was not like most fraternities and I know that none of our none of the fraternities are like sororities so I have no idea I know y'all are a fraternity as well clarify Yeah, well, we're a fraternity because we existed before... Before the term sorority, right. The word sorority existed. But we are part of a Panhellenic, you know, chapter. Right. uh, Let me... So, rush for fraternities is, like, you go to a party and, like, some dude is like, hey, bro, you want to, like, join my fraternity? And, like, the guy's like, sure, bro, that sounds fucking cool. And then they get drunk together and that's joining a fraternity. (laughs) Recruitment... For sororities is like very heavily monitored, heavily like um, structured, and I don't know like where the two things like diverted. Especially because when you hear about really horrible hazing incidents, it's almost never a sorority. Like the really bad ones, it's almost never a sorority. That's sororities fair. are more like their hazing is more like mean girl shit which is just as like mentally damaging but not physically damaging for the most part oh absolutely Um, so whereas you know fraternity boys are like hey let's all get shit-faced and jump off this cliff and everyone's like cool you know and they do it yeah and that is not how my fraternity Um, functioned or sarah's sorority functioned at all you know because where you are not an ifc or an npc right okay so I just speak from that experience because that's what I, that was right. my college And that's all I was saying is that I don't have that. So I have now just made up in my head based on the seven things my friends who were in real sororities told me in college, but then I zoned out because I wasn't listening. Um, and the things that you told me, <laughs> and then that one TikTok that overtook all of TikTok. Yeah. I'm actually really excited. Um, all the work leading up to recruitment is an absolute nightmare, but I love recruitment. It's so much fun. Um, the girls are going to have a great time, and that's always – it's always nice to see them. And, and it's always nice – like, it's really fun to get a new pledge class. Or, you know, it's just – it's it's a blast. So I'm really excited, but also it's, it's so much work, and I'm just like, oh, I'm already too tired from next week. Right. I totally get that. <laughs> so – but I'm very excited if for some reason you find this podcast and you're going through recruitment, like, good luck. It's going to be so much fun. You're going to have a blast. And I hope you find your forever home. So, um, And if not, there are other humane societies you can go take yourself to. Like, find your Shut forever up. home. <laughs> yes. That's what we call it. For real? That's what adorable. Yeah. No. Um, that's when, uh, like, bid day, they call bid day running home. I'm going home, going nope, home. Nope, not going home. Tell the Running world home. that okay. I'm going home. No, we're going to have to move on because you're going to piss me off. <laughs> get a rose from Chris Harrison. <laughs> Told you I'm going to rewrite y'all's bid day process. Chris Harrison got fired. Yes, he did. I love bid day. Bid day is so much fun. Oh, sorry. Okay, I have, I'm going to stop talking about this now. And instead, let's talk about a horrible murder. Yay. So tell me more about bid day now. <laughs> Like, let's just avoid this bullshit. Now you want to hear about bid day. Now you... <laughs> no, 
It's going to be fun. So this week I watched A Woman Scorned, and as I said, it was two movies, but I only watched one. Oops. <laughs> Listen, we are known, we are doing the most at Lifetime Sentence. We're known for going above and beyond really the are. call of action. You are welcome. <laughs> um, it stars Meredith Baxter. She plays Betty Broderick. Um, you might know her from All the President's Men, or more likely from Family Ties, or even more likely from Christmas on the Vine that was on Lifetime last year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which was one of my favorites of the year, so it was really cute. Um, Stephen Collins, he plays Dan Broderick. He was the father in Seventh Heaven. He was in Star Trek, First Wives Club. But most importantly, he is known for the sexual assault. He is known for the sexual assault of multiple minors from 1972 to 1994. So he sucks. We won't be talking about him anymore except in context of this character. Um, And then finally, we have Michelle Johnson. She plays Linda. She's from Death Becomes Her, Far and Away, and a movie called Blame It on Rio, which I've never heard of. So It sounds like fun, though. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Ready? No, but let's go. (laughs) We started a soccer game. Betty's kid scores a goal and everyone celebrates. You know, dad comes in in his, like, red convertible. Um, I wrote, this is the dad from 7th Heaven. Isn't he problematic now? Yeah. So I watched probably I watched problematic is what I just tried to tell you. I watched seventh heaven like sporadically as I was growing up Mm because it was on WB and there were so many seasons. I never got it. I never got really into it, but I could sit down and watch it and be like, I I feel like I never missed a plot line, even though I never watched it. Exactly. So I decided that I was going to rewatch the whole thing on Hulu or Netflix whatever it was on and I was like on episode four and then all of this came out and I was like well move it on (laughs) like never mind no more money for you men ruin everything so anyway um so Betty is like hey your son Tommy scored the winning goal of the game and he's like hey cool his dad won $2.6 million in court. So everyone's, like, having a good day. Um, Betty narrates her life while we watch her get ready for a night out. She talks about how her husband is a doctor and a lawyer, which I think just means he has two god complexes that somehow morph into one gigantic final boss of a god complex. It just sounds then, like a whole lot of student loans. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she raises their four kids. She used to be a teacher while Dan was in medical school and then in law school. Um, and they are nouveau riche as fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, oh, it's real bad. Um, so. Oh, she says, now the 80s have arrived and so have we. Yes. I'd like to believe. And she talks a lot about. She talks a lot about how much money they spend, which is just so much. I'd like to believe that as she gave this, it was um, moving on up, was playing in the background, the Jefferson's theme. No. Dang. Um, they are going to a party, and Dan is dressed like a vampire, but somehow it's not a costume party. 
Well, just a regular party with a lot of rich people. Don't you ever just get the Dracula vibe when you're going to just a black tie event? No. Um, they schmooze and everyone kisses Dan's ass about how he's such a good lawyer. Dan gives a friend tickets to Paris and I need new friends, so I'm taking applications. Right. <laughs> um... Dan and Betty argue about the trip to Paris on the dance floor and about him t- making too many grand gestures to people. Um, then later, Dan teaches a Boy Scout group about how to put up a tent, but he gets interrupted by a work call, so Betty has to take over and kind of, like, show them how to do it. Um, their child is not very happy about this, so Betty's like, I'm going to bed, and she locks the bedroom door and leaves their oldest daughter to give Dan a blanket and a pillow to sleep on the couch. So that's the thing. Uh, yep. Sometime later, nobody knows, Betty picks up Dan from the fir- from the airport and they go to a St. Patrick's Day party where Dan spots the new receptionist. He and his coworker not so subtly check her out and talk about how hot she is. Um, then one of his coworkers walks in with his new girlfriend and Betty starts feeling like she's not good enough for Dan. Aaron, do you believe in love at first sight? No. How about lust at first sight? Because something is happening right there, and it's magical, and I'm glad you got to witness it, and I'm sad that I didn't. Because, you know, true love, true love is love, and lust is lust, and when you confuse the two, you get killed by your ex-wife. Something like that. I, I I read that on like a um one of those. It's like one of those live laugh love signs. Yeah, I got it at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> love is love and lust is love. Have you seen this? <laughs> Have you seen the uh, the girl on TikTok that like paints things and then goes to Hobby Lobby and like leaves them? Yes. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. I'm like, please come to San Antonio. Let me know. It's the only reason I'd ever darken the door of a Hobby Lobby is if I knew she'd been in there. Right. Um, they go on a family ski trip and fight the entire time in front of their kids Um, Betty threatens him with divorce so Dan's like hey kids go outside and so they could properly yell at each other Um, when they get back home they find out they have to move out of their house to have some contracting work done Um, Dan goes to work and gives the hot receptionist a full time job as his assistant um, and when he gets home to the rental house, it's all magically unpacked and put together. And um, I'm just remembering the recent nightmare I had with my movers, and I'm very upset right now. <laughs> Aaron has PTS in a way no one expected from this film. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, but I did hang my curtains today, and it's going to be so dark in my room when I go to sleep, and I'm so excited. Um, do, 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 do. So later it's Dan's birthday and Betty goes to his office to bring him champagne, but she finds out that he's out to lunch with his assistant. So she's like, oh, I'll just wait in his office for him. And she walks into his office to find that it's all decorated. It's like super cute. There's like stuff all over the walls, like happy birthday, Dan, and like all that. So she gets like sad. But then she sits and waits until it gets dark for him to come back from lunch. 
And so she gets mad and she goes home and waits for him on the porch so that they can fight when he gets home. Um, she accuses him of having an affair. And he says he's not. Um, and she says he is. And he says he's not. And then she sets his clothes on fire on the front porch. So, yep. Again, their kids are watching and this is not okay. Um, he goes to play golf with his brother who's like, hey, maybe this is a red flag? And Dan's like, nah, we're just like super passionate people. Yeah. Right, of course, right. She sets my clothes on fire. Or sometimes like I... I hit the steering wheel when I'm real mad. Like, you know, it's all potato, potato. Um, Dan's assistant. So Dan's been looking for a, a red Corvette forever. And he can't find one, which I mean, fucking the worst problem anyone could ever have. Right. right. I don't know how he ever. I hate made it, it when I can't find a red Corvette. I hate it when I can't find a red Corvette when I've been looking for one for like five minutes. Um, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to me. So, um, his assistant, Linda, um, is like, oh, I found one, and it's in Malibu. And so he invites her to go along to pick it up with him. Right. When he gets home, he just leaves the top down and the door unlocked like a crazy person. Um, and Betty comes out to admire the car, and she's like, you know, I really hope that it makes you feel better about whatever it is that you're not feeling right about. And... Um, over at work sometime later and like there is no timeline here it's like it's so bizarre it was the 90s so yeah um kitty foreman confronts dan about the fact that she's worked there longer and harder than linda but somehow linda makes more money than all of them and has a much bigger office so she gives him a lecture about treating people nicely and quits and kitty foreman is the mom from that 70s show and you do not fuck with kitty foreman no Okay, yeah, I was like, I know this name, but I couldn't figure out where it was from. Thank you. I watched just a few episodes of that 70s show, but I know who you're talking about. I love about. that show. It's so funny. Um, it is Christmas time at the Broderick household, and Christmas has thrown up in their house. There is tinsel everywhere. Remember in the 90s when tinsel was, like, such a huge thing? Yes. Like, it was everywhere. Ugh. Dan gives Betty a beautiful cocktail ring, and she doesn't like it, so they fight about it. He does put his hands on her, but not, like, he just grabs her by the wrist. And it, it's like, mm, but they don't talk about it. So gotcha. I'm like, that's not good. Noted for later, you know. Right. Um, a few weeks later, months later, I don't know how long, Dan asks Betty to lunch so they can discuss their relationship, which is never good. He tells her he's going to move out, so she starts shouting at him about how he would be nothing without her, and she raised their kids and provided a home while he was in medical school and then law school, etc. He points out that she's obviously unhappy, too, so why stay in the marriage? And she responds, quote, because you owe me. You know what? I I kind of agree. Mm-hmm. So, he moves back into their other house, you know casual um where the contractors are still working one night he comes home to find one of their kids on the front porch he asks what he's doing there and he's like oh mom dropped me off and he starts asking him all kinds of questions that really he should be calling betty and asking her but the, and the kid doesn't know how to answer him but um and then we flash to betty who's explaining to her friend how she has a plan to one by one drop all the kids off to live with dan 
so he can finally see how hard it is to raise a family. And I just can we stop using our kids as as pawns in our adult right ass right they're not collateral. Like, I hate this. No. Also, she then spends a, a majority of the rest of the movie complaining about how Dan steals her children, and I'm like, you literally dropped them off. Right. You took them there. Um, she also finds a house with an ocean view and thinks that this will somehow make Dan, like, magically come back to her. Okay. Um, Dan takes Linda to a very long dinner while Betty dips chips or fruit or something into the pool water and then eats it, which seems not good. Not good for you. Don't do that. She randomly shows up at Dan's house when he's not home to check on the kids and snoop through his stuff. She finds a cake that Linda made for the kids, so she goes into his room and smashes it all over the bed and all over his clothes and scratches his face out of all the pictures in the house. You know, like you do. Yeah, naturally, yeah. So, in response, he serves her divorce papers. Um, Naturally, she goes over to his house to yell at him, and when he doesn't answer the door, she breaks in and smashes everything in the house and spray paints the walls. And I'm like, girl, your kids live there too. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> um, she goes to see a divorce lawyer who advises her to like stop destroying Dan's shit, and especially because there's now a restraining order saying she can't even go to the house. Um, and Betty's like, don't preach to me about what I sh- should or shouldn't be doing. I just want to nail him in court. And the... The lawyer's like, well, you're you're gonna get your fair share of like what's y'all's and you know all that and right. she's like, I don't think we're a good fit and she fires her. Okay. On her way out, the attorney advises her to keep her cool and she just responds, no. <laughs> so Betty goes to meet Dan and his realtor because they got an offer on one of the houses, but Betty doesn't like the offer. Dan tells her too bad, but she's like, I want a million dollars. And I just want to say the asking price that they had listed this house for is $340,000. So <laughs> to go back and be like, I want a million dollars is fucking insane. We're closing on our old house tomorrow. I want to try to renegotiate right before I put my name on that you line. You should. Listen, I need $650,000. <laughs> They'll be like, sir, this is a fixer upper. And I'm like, well, then you better fix it up. Give me my, yeah. Fix up my bank account. In this particular market, you might get away with it. (laughs) Right. Um. Linda hangs out with her friend on a boat, gushing about how she, she's in love with Dan, even though she never expected to be. Dan buys a gigantic new house and fights with his daughter on Thanksgiving because she wants to go out on a date. He tells her he wants her to stay home, and when she refuses, he's like, "Fine, don't come home." Yeah. I'm... Can we not do this to our kids either? Yeah. I hate that. Um, so she goes on her date and then goes to her mom's house. Betty's also on a date and, you know, her daughter's like, oh, fuck. Like, I cannot get away from my parents and their weird, I don't know, shit. So <laughs> um, Betty's having trouble finding an attorney, which she blames on Dan. She says that he's had her blacklisted because he's a well-respected attorney in town, which is possible. But they don't dive into it, so I don't know. (laughs) She has a dinner party, but it gets interrupted by a phone call, so she goes to Dan's house to confront him, because what he did was, if you're in a a divorce and one partner is is 
preventing, unreasonably preventing the other one from, like, selling the home or, you know, things like that, um, you can file a motion right. to, to sell the home. Right. Okay. So he sells the house, and she's like, oh, my God, you sold my house right out from under me, and I can't believe you. And he's like, um, uh, you'll get your share of the house. And he's like, sorry. And then he goes inside. So like any normal, respectable woman would do, Betty gets in her car, backs away from the curb, and drives directly into his foyer. Oh. More than one time. That's a... That, you know. Like maybe, you do. Maybe, okay. Maybe she was just bad at directions. <laughs> she had her, like, map quest, like, printed out directions. <laughs> She's like, where the hell am I? Ah! <laughs> oh, God. So, and I just, like, again, your children are in this house, and you have no idea where they are in there. You could have run over and killed one of your children because you're being a freaking crazy person. I don't. Oh, goodness. Of course, Dan, like, sends all the kids upstairs and then he runs outside and pulls Betty out of the car and they tussle in the yard until the police get there. Betty gets arrested. It's like a whole thing. Um, her kids cry. It's it's the it's awful. It's um, traumatic for lots of people. And so she. Yeah, and so she checks herself or is checked into a mental health facility. I'm not sure which one happens. I would assume it's probably a 5150, but I don't know. Right. <laughs> Maybe not. It might have been um, voluntary to avoid charges. True. So she goes there and she cries about how she's being erased, right? When she gets out, she gives an interview to a newspaper or, or something about all of it. Um, it's Christmas time again, and Betty's lonely, so she drives to Dan's house to spy on them. You know, why wouldn't you? Right. And then she breaks into his house because, I mean... Again, why wouldn't what you? What else are you going to do? Yeah. Right. So her daughter finds her sitting under the Christmas tree crying, and her daughter's like, Mom, you can't keep coming here. If Dad sees you, he's going to totally flip out. Um, and Betty, like starts opening all the gifts she's like do you have gifts for me and she starts opening all the presents and kate is like her daughter is like trying to take them away from her and then the scuffle she hits her in the face like pretty hard oh i don't like that um uh dan and betty go to court where people testify that betty's unstable um she finally just stops going to court because she can't keep an attorney and um so the divorce is finalized and dan gets full custody of the children and she has no say which I agree sucks, but also, like, don't be weird. Right. Um, her friends all start moving on without her, too. So she calls Dan's and leaves a really nasty... Oh, God. She calls the house, and when the answering... Okay, kids, like, back in the day, we used to have this thing called an answering machine. You put a tape in it, <laughs> and when people would call, they would leave a message, and you could, like, hear it, like, throughout the house. If you were home. It was like voicemail, but so, analog. Mm. So she calls Dan and le- starts to leave like a really nasty message about calling Linda a whore and like a slut. And like, are you doing her on the stairs right now? Like, it's really bad. 
And it's even worse because her youngest child is sitting on the stairs listening to this can, message. Can you, <laughs> sorry, can you imagine clicking like play? You've come home from a long day of work and it's like, hi, Aaron, are you fucking someone on the stairs right now? <laughs> I, mean, I don't have stairs, so definitely not. <laughs> so her youngest picks up the phone and is like, mom, like, please stop doing this. It makes me feel funny. It makes me sad. Like, you know, and instead of apologizing profusely for, I don't know, mentally damaging her child, she just blames their dad and then yells at him about it. And so he just drops the phone and like runs upstairs. Okay. Baby. Um, Dan and Linda go to the same party that they went, that he and Betty had gone to before in the past. Okay. Um, he wears the same outfit. Um, Okay. Which, how many ways can you wear a tux, but also how many ways can you wear a satin-lined cape and a top hat? Oh, wait. Okay. So, I didn't didn't expect you to go full Phantom of the Opera here. Like, I know you said, like, Dracula earlier, but, like... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Sing to me, my angel. Um, he proposes at the party, and so Betty takes the kids out to tell them that now that their dad is engaged, he's going to abandon them. But she'll always love them. Betty, not cool. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And I'm going to ask more questions as this goes on. Um, Dan assures the kids that he's not going to abandon them, and no, they don't have to call Linda mom. Um, Betty buys a gun and keeps calling Dan's answering machine to rant and rave about Linda. He finally picks up the phone and tells her that he's going to start fining her for leaving all these messages and take it out of her alimony, which I'm not sure is legal, but I guess I understand the sentiment. (laughs) Can can you imagine she goes to court like, um, sir, he has not been paying me my full alimony. And he's like, um, your honor. She called me 4,000 <laughs> times. Mm-hmm. No, what he does is he picks up the phone and he's like telling her, like, I'm going to find you this much every time you say this and da 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 And he's like, so far, and he pays her $16,000 a month in the 80s. Oh, my gosh. And um, he's like, so he breaks that all down and finally he's like, and so far for this month, you're at minus 1,500. <laughs> graduates high school and Betty of course makes a scene because Linda and Dan are there um, she starts taking pictures of Linda and Linda turns on her and threatens to shove the camera down her throat um, even her, Betty's friend Susan is like dude you need to calm the fuck down um, okay something weird is going to happen right now and I don't understand okay Dan takes Betty to court for Stealing the guest list to his wedding? Yeah. And I just like, okay, I'm all for being petty. I love a, a petty bitch, but this seems like extra petty. Like, do you not have another copy of the guest list? I'm really confused. Like, why do you care so much? Yeah, I don't I, I don't understand I don't except that in my notes I did find 
that other things were stolen as well, but that was the intent of breaking into the house was to steal that guest list is what she said. So I think maybe it was just okay. reported weirdly. I think it was one of those like pre-clickbait headlines that was like, Betty Broderick arrested for stealing a guest list. And then you read it and there was other stuff. And I just wrote, unless the guest list was etched in solid gold, I don't know why it's something you need to go to court over. <laughs> But, Your Honor, she was trying to steal my friends. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the judge tells Betty she has to return the list, and until she does, Dan no longer has to pay his alimony. So now, to get her back, I guess, Linda breaks into Betty's house to look for the list. And all of these people are absolutely insane and childish as hell. Like, I just can't. Um... Linda starts going through all of Betty's things and finds a bunch of pictures she and, of she and Dan together and a manuscript for a book that Betty is writing about domestic violence. Okay. She steals that and takes it to Dan. Okay. I don't like, like that. Please take that back. Like, why Why are you taking her to court for stealing stuff from your house when you're going to go to her house and do the same? Like, what is going on? Grow up. Listen, Aaron, you don't understand advanced rich people emotions. Sure. Like, I wasn't an advanced rich people as a child. Okay, you don't have to brag. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dan's like, can you please take that back and stop breaking into other people's homes now? So, um, and meanwhile, Betty starts calling people on Dan and Linda's guest list and telling them not to go to the wedding. And I just wrote, this is like high school drama, but with more money. Right. Um, yeah, when that didn't work, she sent out those letters that were folded in the way that had, like, the pull tab. And that was the next way yes. she uninvited people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan's brother tries to get Dan to wear a bulletproof vest to his wedding. Can you imagine? But he refuses. Um, and you know that they were trying to play that up. Like, it'll make you look buff for your wedding. Don't you want to look your absolute best? Oh, no. He holds <laughs> it up to himself and he goes, it makes me look fat. <laughs> <laughs> and while the wedding is going on, Betty and her friend Susan have cocktails by the pool. Betty narrates that it was the most depressing day of her life. Um, Dan finally gives Betty some visitation rights, and Betty is enraged by this for reasons. I I, I don't know. Um, her friend is like, you need to, like, calm the fuck down and let him go and, like, let the situation go. So Betty screams at her that Dan got to her, too, and to get out. And Betty Broderick is, like, the perfect person to try to sell QAnon to. Right? And doTERRA. <laughs> yep. Um, Dan and Linda go to dinner while Betty sits home and stews. Later, they lay in bed and watch a movie. Um, while Betty tucks the kids in bed because she has the kids that night and goes to sleep. Betty wakes up in the middle of the night, seemingly from a bad dream or a nightmare. So of course she, you know, what's a girl to do except grab her gun and drive to her ex-husband's house? She walks through an unlocked door, and I just want to say that so much of this story could have been avoided if all these people had properly locking doors. Right. They just, like, walk into it. Like, nobody is searching for a key. They just, like, walk in. I don't get it. Um, well, it's just stuff. When you're rich, you can replace it. I guess. 
She creeps upstairs and watches them sleep for a few minutes before shooting both Dan and Linda. Ooh. Not a the good sad, look, like, Betty. The sad, the really sad part is Dan is still alive and reaches up for the phone. So Betty rips it out of the wall and like, dra- like takes it out into the hallway and drops it on the floor as she's leaving the house. Ugh. Um, and then she calls one of her friends from a payphone and confesses to the murder. We cut to Betty in jail, lamenting about how she's the real victim in this case. And while she has regrets, what she doesn't have is any remorse whatsoever. Betty's friend, if you are not currently in therapy, um, I would like to pay for you a week or two. I just, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Elizabeth Broderick was tried for the murders of Dan Broderick and Linda Colquina Broderick. The first trial ended with a hung jury. In the retrial, Elizabeth was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder. She received the maximum sentence of 32 years to life in prison and will be eligible for parole in the year 2010. Oh. The end. Okay. Mm-hmm. Motion. Are you awake, little baby? No. Oh. She's she so fucking high. I feel like a monster. Poor she like thing. Her eyes will only open halfway high. Boo. Poor thing. Oh. Um, I love you. <laughs> so, this article I found on cold culture. Uh, yeah, cold culture.com that's c-u-l-l-e-d as somebody from the south i cannot mm-hmm. distinguish between cold and cold <laughs> i'm trying so mm-hmm. hard cold culture.com <laughs> um, <Not> that. <laughs> um i just thought it encapsulated this so well so this is two paragraphs it's their quote <clears throat> maybe he was afraid burger's friend tells carrie Carrie returns. Interesting, how so? His friend notes, women can get really angry. Carrie retorts, well, I assure you, I would have been very understanding. The friend mutters, right. Is this from Sex in the City? Do what? Yes. (laughs) Carrie urges him to elaborate with, excuse me? So he does, stating that from that man's perspective, quote, you all say that, but then you just freak out and get all psycho bitch. Carrie snaps, really? So now it's our fault. He shrugs. All we're saying is there really is no good way to break up with someone. Carrie pushes back. Well, it's funny you should mention that because actually there is. You can have the guts and the courtesy to tell a woman to her face that you no longer want to see her. Call me crazy, but I think that you can make a good, make a point of ending your relationship in a manner that does not include an email, a doorman, or a missing persons report. I think you can all get over the fear of looking like the bad guy and actually have the uncomfortable breakup conversation because here's what avoiding that is what makes you the bad guy and just so you know most women aren't angry irrational psychos we just want an ending to a relationship that is thoughtful and decent and honors what we had together this monologue from carrie bradshaw in the illustrious sex in the city episode the post-it always sticks twice could perhaps if betty broderick had been able to express herself at the time and if that time had been even slightly more feminist, come straight out of this jilted housewife's own mouth to be directed at her lying, cheating husband, Dan Broderick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is how it opened. <laughs> and I was like, where's the lie? I mean. So, 
All right, so Betty Broderick, born Elizabeth Ann Biscalia. <laughs> Sorry, Fran. <Sure. laughs> Nailed it. Was Fran's going to murder you. Right? She was born in 1947 and grew up in Bronxville, New York. She was the third of six children born to ro- devout Roman Catholic parents. Um, her dad owned a successful plastering business with relatives. Um, mm-hmm. Her parents were very strict and much was expected of the children. As Broderick later recalled, she was being trained to be a housewife since the day she was born. Um, or as she recalled, quote, go to Catholic schools, be careful with dating until you find a Catholic man, support him while he works, be blessed in your later years with beautiful grandchildren. I mean, same, but also without all the Catholic stuff. Right. Um, so Broderick graduated from Maria Regina High School in Hartsdale, New York in 1965. She attended and later graduated from the College of Mount St. Vincent in the Bronx, where she earned a degree <laughs> in early childhood education through an accelerated program. Um, she also uh, earned a minor in English, and it took her like two and a half or three years instead of the traditional four years or longer because of this accelerated program. Wow. In okay. 1965, Betty met her future husband, Dan Broderick, at the University of <coughs> Notre Dame in Indiana. Dan mm-hmm. was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was the eldest son of a large Catholic, Irish Catholic family. Um, mm-hmm. They married on April 12, 1969 at the Immaculate Conception Church in Tuckahoe, New York. Um, my new favorite place. I have to live there. Tuckahoe. Uh-huh. Um, so they, uh, so Betty got pregnant on the honeymoon um, and gave birth to their oldest child in 1970. Then she went on to have four more children, one in 1971, one in 1976, and one in 1979. And then um, they had a baby who died four days after birth. So, um, there's that. That's too many kids. Yeah. So it's no surprise that Daniel Broderick had, oh, he was Daniel T. Broderick third. in fact. Excuse me. There was no surprise that he wanted a big family. He was one of nine. Um, and Mm-mm. as it, um, so a lot of this information came because of the Dirty John season that was devoted to this case, um, starring Amanda yeah. Peet, who did an incredible job. And they made her look so much like Betty Broderick. Like, she wasn't the spitting image, don't get me wrong. But, like, I've always found mm-hmm. Amanda Peet to be one of the most beautiful actresses, and they just made her so plain-looking. I Their makeup department yeah. should have won awards if they didn't. Um, She's she is gorgeous. Ugh. So, anyway, um, as depicted in Dirty John, Dan went to Notre Dame for undergrad, um, where in the fall of 1965, he met a 17-year-old, Betty, um, who was visiting a friend. Um, so, Dan would then do his doctoral studies at Cornell University in Manhattan, um, which is what allowed their paths to cross again and like, converge um 
Because she was in the Bronx, right? Right. So they were married before the end of the decade um, and had two their first two children in two years. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's just like... So my best friend's children are 13 months apart, I think. And I'm like, you, she was just, she was just only pregnant for forever. Like she was just pregnant forever. That's all I can think about. My mother, my mother and her oldest sister are Irish twins. Uh Uh-huh. My grandmother got pregnant right out like six weeks after my mother was born. Oh my gosh. I would have been so mad if I were her. Like, I would have been so bad. Oh my God. Well, especially because back then they were like, oh, don't worry. As long as like you're, you know, this and that's happening, you're definitely not going to get pregnant. Oh yeah. Like depending on where you were in the South, as long as you it still had like breast milk, breast you couldn't feeding get pregnant. Or like there was breastfeeding. And then there's one about like, if you haven't gotten your first period after, after giving, giving birth, birth and yeah. you can't get pregnant. Yeah. There's tons of those. Uh-huh. Like they're all they're all horseshit. You can absolutely <laughs> get pregnant. Um. So, anyway, uh, let's see. In interviews with the San Diego Reader for a story that was never published because Dan threatened to sue them, um, it did run in a modified form after his death. But in this article, Dan alleges that Betty asked. Like that's for really it. in poor taste, right? <laughs> It's like really important. Can't like, sue it out, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you're dead now. <laughs> so, according to this interview, he People said that Betty asked for a divorce almost immediately after they got married, and he added, "quote There were requests, demands for divorce hundreds of times. I'm not exaggerating." Um. So after the birth of their oldest child who played heavily in the Dirty John show, but as I've said so many times, I try not to involve the children when I don't have to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just Oogie. And, but I also understand how, like, unwi- unwittingly they were pulled into oh, the story. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah. I am sure they have so much to tell uh-huh. and, and kind of a need to purge that out of their oh, like, yeah. mind. And, you know, and, like... So it's a really fine line, and I don't want to—I don't want to say anything or do anything that's going to like cause them any kind of pain. But they are really prevalent in this story by no fault of their own. Right, exactly. Um, they well, like both of the Brodericks, Betty and Dan, were horrible about horrible. this. Horrible, like, yeah. They, oh, it's it's unreal. They, they both saw their children as tools, as objects. Mm-hmm. As tools to get back at each other. Yeah, like bargaining and it was. Chips. It really seemed like neither of them really wanted to raise the children. It was like we won't. Well, you take them. No, you take them. No, you take them. Right. It's like you. They didn't ask to be born. Right. You brought them into this world. What are you doing? So, um, after the birth of their oldest child, Dan completed his MD, and then. Um, Announced his intention to combine his medical experience, expertise rather, with a law degree. So he enrolled at Harvard Law School. Um, so he's clearly not dumb, but also it feels kind of dumb to quit one, like to finish one professional school and then go immediately into another. So, well, um, and I think his, um, I think his motivations here, well, 
A, it was all money, right? Yeah. Litigation, so, litigation is all about money. But and, and the thing is, if you're a doctor who's arguing malpractice cases, you automatically have way more information than the average right. lawyer, even the average litigation lawyer has. Right. So, and, so, and way more, like you can place more trust whatnot into a lawyer that is also a doctor so a jury like is going to eat that shit oh yeah 100 percent. it's a good move if you want to make a lot of money as a malpractice lawyer like really mm -hmm. um but i just like i said it just sounds like so much school and so many so many mm -hmm. loans um and some people are and, like that some people just want to go to school forever i am not one of those people but i understand yeah i guess um so Betty was the main provider for the family while Dan attended law school. Um, he took out a student loan. She continued to teach to support the family. Um, and right out of law school, he was quickly hired by a firm in San Diego, California, and moved his family out to La Jolla. Betty continued Jolla. working part-time. So this thing. It's La Jolla. Sorry. What did I say? La Jolla? Uh-huh. I've. I panicked yeah, knowing that I was about to say it and like <laughs> told myself say it the right way. And then I was like, nope, fuck that. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> anyway, out in La Jolla. So then this article I said, just know people will reach out to us. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's La Jolla. No, it's La Jolla. I, I knew that. I just, like I said, every time I read it, I, my brain it's says it the wrong Lehi. way. <laughs> fuck everybody. <laughs> um, Oh, so anyway, um, it said that Betty continued working part time and then it said often selling Tupperware or Avon. So that's not working oh, part time, she was an MLM. but okay. <laughs> um, from Dan's perspective, their marriage was pressurized and rife with discord. He said in, you know, like that was apparent in the notes from that interview that didn't run and then did run. Um, but Betty long maintained that they were happy until Dan, who was enamored with his status among California's legal elite, um, began having an affair with the building's receptionist that he turned into his personal assistant, Linda Coquina. Yes. Let me just like, and you can speak to this because you are married to a doctor. If you get married and there is any kind of discord already, adding the pressure of medical school or law school or anything like that on top of that is going to make things so much oh, worse. Oh, yeah. So many relationships because do the not pressure survive of, med school. The pressure of, like, medical school, law school, et cetera, is so great. Even if you have, like, the most, like, chill and best relationship you're gonna like it's gonna get strained oh yeah point. you're gonna wake up one day and be like oh fuck this like what was i doing yeah <laughs> and, and dr sarah and i are not fighters we've never had like big fights in our relationship um mostly because she is very patient and chill and will not allow me to escalate um mm -hmm. that doesn't mean things weren't hard and that things weren't strained at times um, you know, yeah. there was an entire six months that she was on night rotations back to back and I was teaching. So she would get home after I left for work and then be at work before I made it home because I was working in Texas. And so it was an hour Working drive, strangers. you know? So like there were six yeah. months that I saw her like three times. Um, isn't that right around the time that we met? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought. I think I remember that when you were like, I haven't seen my wife in like a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if there's, especially if there's any amount of like lack of trust in a relationship, your mm-hmm. mind goes into crazy places. Like this is really a combination for disaster, a recipe for disaster yeah. rather. Um, and and you're right. If there's any amount of strain, like <laughs> toasty cat, <laughs> sorry. Um. So anyway, in his interview with the reader, Dan denied Betty's claims about the where and the when of his relationship with the then 20-something receptionist, Linda Coquina. Um, he married her less than seven months before their deaths in April 1989. So um, they didn't even get to celebrate a, a long time of anything. But um, he did acknowledge that during their marriage which he described as having, quote, real incompatibility problems. He said he admitted in this interview that he was, quote, far from the kind of good, loving husband I could have been. So at least he owned it, and I give partial credit. Um, I don't know if you have done something with your mic or if it's just completely quiet in your house but it is kind of eerie it's just very quiet okay there we go. <laughs> um all right i'm holding the bait i see that you're the, the toasty cat um so in the fall of 1982 dan hired 21 year old linda colkina who had been a, a delta airlines flight attendant he hired her to be his legal assistant um and as early as october I mean, flight attendant legal assistant that's like that's the career path. Yep. Um, so as early as October 1983, Betty just suspected that Dan was having an affair with, um, with Linda, but Dan denied it. And against Betty's wishes, Dan moved out in February of 1985. He eventually took custody of their children after Betty left the children on his doorstep one at a time. Like, basically, just like in that movie, she was like, well, now you'll know how hard it is to take care of them. Um, which I get it. Like it is hard to to single parent. I know you know. Um, it is. But what a nightmare for everyone involved. Um, so Betty claimed that Dan confessed he had in fact been having an affair with Linda this long and then um this long drawn out hostile divorce ensued. Um so by this time Dan had become a very prominent lawyer. He was the president of the San Diego Bar Association. Um, Betty claimed that Dan made it extremely difficult for her to find a lawyer willing to represent her in the divorce, which put her at a disadvantage, Mm -hmm. which is probably true, especially if he was the president of the Bar Association. I bet there weren't a whole lot of lawyers who were willing to go up against him. Yeah. Um, Betty also believed that Dan used his legal influence to win sole custody of their children, to sell their house against her wishes and to cheat her out of her rightful share of his income. I'm not sure that that was legal influence so much as all the things that we know that movie actually did not inflate a whole lot of facts. Um, Yeah. And when you are dropping kids off and just abandoning them on the doorstep of their dad with no contact beforehand. That's not him taking custody of them. Like that is no, (laughs) So, um, 
Broderick versus Broderick became one of the most infamous divorce cases in the U.S., primarily because of the issues involving women who'd worked while putting their husbands through graduate and professional school. And so yep. it is just still like a thing. They uh-huh. call it your, you know, your, your first, what is it? Like your med school wife or I don't uh-huh. know. There's a term for it. Yeah. Um, and so um, now <clears throat> this article said it was harder to piece together the background details of Linda Coquina's life um, than it was obviously of Betty or Dan. Um, that in itself Quote, that in itself is of a piece with the tragic fact that she is and was then the somewhat overlooked casualty of the spousal war between Dan and Betty. It was the quote from this article. And I agree. Like, I think that all of these stories do kind of focus so much around this toxic, volatile relationship that was Dan and Betty that the fact that absolutely Linda died too is often kind of like a footnote in this much larger issue. Well, and two, like it's always about like them, like the two of them, you know, and I feel like the other thing that really gets overlooked is that there are now what four, five children without a parent. With no parents. Right. Because your mom killed your father and your stepmom. So she's in jail. And your dad's dead. Right. 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 Um, so, um, some research did uncover that her father had been married multiple times. That Linda had been close to at least two of her stepmothers. Um, it also appears evident that she and her two brothers, Raymond and Roger, and her sister Maggie grew up in the Salt Lake City area before she made her way to California. Um, as I said before, she was a receptionist. Um, like, she was 21 when she started working as a receptionist. Before that, she'd been a flight attendant. And numerous accounts from friends and family concur that she was a performative, funny extrovert, was a quote from this article. Um, whether acting out flight safety instructions as living room theater or reenacting scenes from Peter Seller movies with Dan over dinner. Um, Listen, my favorite flight attendants are the ones that actually make things interesting. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like it, paying attention to all that shit gets real old. And I'm sure like doing all that shit also gets real old. You know, I've never been a flight attendant, but I assume that like having to do that every like, I don't know, multiple times a day is really annoying. Uh-huh. And so I love it when they can make it fun and funny and, like, also, like, I shouldn't expect them to just perform for me because they're just doing their job, but also, I'm like, ugh, can somebody just make a joke? Right. Um, <laughs> so before... My favorite is when we... There's a lot of turbulence on a flight and you get off and the flight attendant's like, be careful when opening the overhead bins because items have definitely shifted. Yeah. <laughs> Before Alaskan Airlines acquired Virgin Air, Virgin Air had mm-hmm. um, had videos, had uh, screens in all of their seats, like even for domestic flights, which was unheard of. Mm-hmm. But um, their flight attendants didn't do the in-flight safety video. Todd, I mean, the in-flight safety thing. 
In-site safety. Listen to me. I'm clearly tired. In-flight <laughs> safety thing. Todrick Hall recorded a video that was broadcast That's on all amazing. the screens. And it was wonderful. It's still on YouTube. I recommend y'all look it up. It was wonderful. I'm trying to think of... Not the last time I flew, which was Southwest, and that flight was. We don't want to talk awful. about that one. <laughs> it has, it, yeah, it, ugh, it was terrible. But um, the last time I flew before that, it was I was either American or De- Delta, and like the maybe it was Delta. I feel like it was Delta. That the in-flight safety thing was built into a video as well. But it also, like, went over, like, the history of, like, Delta Airlines and, like, all their flight attendant uniforms. And I was like, this is the kind of content I'm here for. Like, get me interested with, like... (laughs) A uh, deep dive on Delta, right. Like, I'm in for it. Get me interested with, like, a human interest story and then tell me all the safety information because then I'm paying attention. Right. I loved it. (laughs) Um, Well, at least none of the flights that I was on on American whenever, like, when we saw each other had screens so there was no there was no exciting entertainment for me um i also was asleep before they had a chance to tell me how to be safe um i cannot sleep on airplanes i know you said that before i cannot do it it is the like and i can't sleep in cars either so it's it's like any kind of vehicle i just can't do it i think it probably dates back to i used to live on a farm in the middle of nowhere like that's not a secret Mm -hmm. um it was we lived 15 miles outside of the city limits um Mm -hmm. and went to a tiny little school and had to ride the bus to school the bus picked me up at 605 every morning to start school at 8 a.m and it was honey by 605 i was already dressed out and on the dance floor right what are you talking about but in kindergarten (laughs) you were not and so in kindergarten i was waiting on the bus for then an hour and a half bus ride to school um so i learned how to sleep on the bus because it was an hour and a half ride each way um it was pretty miserable so um i think that's why i can still sleep in moving vehicles because i learned very young yeah when we got so off i don't even know where i am with my notes anymore um oh okay um so dirty john puts it into focus that linda was no pushover either um a scene in which linda trespasses in betty's home to recover a wedding guest guest list but leaves with more was taken directly from the housekeeper's testimony that's what it was so betty did go in and and steal their wedding guest list and then linda broke into her house to take the wedding guest list and took other things like her um manuscript that you're talking about manuscript um so you got like you cannot take someone to court for breaking into your house and then also break into their house that's not you can't do that it's also true that betty would speak of linda in wildly profane terms to anyone who would listen including her own children um kim even oh sorry that's the oldest daughter the oldest daughter kim even claimed that not long before linda and dan were married Betty asserted she was, quote, going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to shoot them both. Mm-hmm. So. And by that point, I believe she had already purchased the gun that she would later I, actually. Use I believe so, too. 
Um, so the divorce was finalized in 1989, four years after Dan had filed the petition for divorce. Um, Betty Broderick's behavior became increasingly violent. She left hundreds of profane messages on Dan's answering machine. She ignored restraining orders that forbade her from setting foot on his property. She vandalized his new home and drove her car into his front door, despite the fact that her children were inside the house at the time. Um, Betty's share in the property the couple yes. owned when they were married was greatly reduced because of things like this. Um, so Betty managed to support herself during the, the divorce, but many people believed that it was unfair that she'd been so badly um, like disadvantaged during their suit. According to Californian law at the time, Betty ended up owing Dan $750,000 um, as part of what's called the Epstein credit laws. Um, okay. Well, first of all, we should maybe rethink that It's not that named name. after him. <laughs> well, I figure, but I'm still like, it, it just conjures that up. It's like, if it's like, if you were like, Hey, we're going to make, um, the Peterson domestic violence law, <laughs> you know, like that's not a good name for it. Don't do that. I did look up to see if it was related to him at all. And it's not, thank God. Cause I was like, we should probably change that too. Um, I just well, think we should just change it at all. And also if your last name is Peterson and you're not a criminal, you should probably change your last name. <laughs> right. Cause there's, there's a lot. They should just pick a, they should pick a last name. And if you're a criminal, they should make you change your last name to that last name. Yes. A real criminal. Not like you got caught with weed. No, like a real, like a murderer criminal. Right. <laughs> not like, a, yeah, no, not like, oh, uh, you have weed and I'm a white cop and I feel like I have power over you because you're a person of color, so I'm going to take you to, no, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, so side note, since we're bitching about police, which I thought we were going to get away with this time, not doing, but. Uh, nope. When we were at, when I was at church camp, I got a call from one of those lobbyist organizations that want you to pay money to back the blue yeah okay chip roy you need to stop emailing me because i'm never going to give you money and every time i answer one of your surveys every time you send one out and every single time i'm like yes we should defund the police yeah um so i know i'm skewing your results that you're going to use so just stop emailing me so this guy calls and um you know we we're collecting money to go toward education and to support the legal fees of police who are and so i was like wait no. how much no 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 so i was like how what percentage of my donation goes toward you mentioned education goes toward education in de-escalation techniques and one of the women who was like a chaperoning camp with me heard just my other conversation her jaw dropped and she was like what is going on and the guy was like sir i don't understand your question and i was like so how much of the money that i would pay goes to de-escalation techniques and um maybe toward um you know passing any kind of law or legislature that would get guns out of cops hands and then provide better mm -hmm. um emotional and psychological support and counseling mandatory counseling to all police officers i just want to know like what part yeah. of my funds would go to that and he was like well sir it also goes to and i was like so you're avoiding the topic which nope. tells me none um 
I was mm-hmm. like, so then what what do you do with that money? Do you do you use it to pay the defense attorney who is trying to get cops off for, you know, shooting people oh. for committing the heinous crime of driving while black? Yeah. And he was like, I don't, do you not want to donate? And I was like, oh, did I not make that clear yet? Or like, yeah. are you just trapped? I'm sorry. Were you, are you trapped? Were you under the impression I was going to be like, just kidding. Right? Here's $5,000. Right? <laughs> um, and he was like, well, you know, we can go ahead and send you an envelope. And I was like, um, you probably mm-hmm. just shouldn't do that. Cause I wouldn't want anybody to accidentally believe I support the police. And, um, he was like, I hate having to talk to people like you. And I, that's when I was like, you can't hang up until I say okay, bye, bye, can you? They're making you stay on the phone with me, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, I was talking to my aunt about this today. We went to lunch. and We have pretty, I mean, she's not as conservative as, like, my father is. But, you know, she's fairly conservative. And we had an interesting conversation. And I'm like, Listen, I understand that we have a need for some kind of law enforcement in this country. Like, that is, ob- I mean, that's obvious. I'm not saying that we should just, like, fire all the police officers and be like, okay, we don't have police anymore. Everybody behave. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but I'm like, if you can't see that there is a real problem in the way that our police is currently set up and the way that they are able to get away with so much and the way they are able to continue to get funding that just pays for their defense and the way that they are able to get fired and then come back and get their jobs back because of the, you know, the union. Right. If you can't see that there's a problem there, then I can't help you, you know, (laughs) like, and she, you know, she was like, oh, of course there's a problem there. I absolutely agree. And I was like, yes, I, I think that's the base thing. And when, when liberals or and I count myself as a liberal, so I'm not using it as, like, a derogatory term. Right. When we say, like, all cops are bad and all things like that, it's – I think that people take it as an overgeneralization, which is not what it's meant to be. It is meant to say that if you have one bad cop and a bunch of, like, 150 cops, then they're all bad because they're not they're not um, policing themselves. Right. And that is the problem. And it just really – fucking gets my goat which is why we're talking about this and not the actual case right (laughs) Um, anyway (laughs) so um oh yeah Epstein Law so she wound up at the end of this (laughs) owing Dan seven how did we how did we get there Epstein to Peterson to police (laughs) (laughs) that tracks um. <laughs> oh, you know what we never did? Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. I'm just Aaron. You're welcome, Fran. <laughs> I love when we were on our trip and she was like, it's like, I feel like you guys do it for me. And I was like, we do. We do. <laughs> um. Oh, man. So anyway, she wound up owing $750,000 and he had to pay his wife of 20 years $30,000. Like in settlement. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
So on April 22nd, 1989, Dan and Linda got married. Um, this is just, you know, months after their divorce was finalized. Um, Linda had been concerned about Betty's behavior and even asked Dan to wear a bulletproof vest to their wedding. However, Betty did not arrive at the wedding. Um, so it actually went without incident. After the wedding, Betty claimed that Linda taunted her by mailing her facial cream and slimming treatment ads. <laughs> can you, can you imagine? Oh man. Yes, I can. So eight months after buying a revolver, I am that level of petty. I would totally do that. Right. So eight months after buying a revolver. And seven months after Dan and Linda were married, Betty Broderick drove to Dan's house. Um, she used the key that she had taken from her daughter to enter the house while the couple slept and she shot and killed them both. The murders occurred at 5.30 a.m. on November 5th, 1989, just two days before Betty's 42nd birthday. So she was like, happy birthday. Also, 5.30 in the morning, there's already people up. Right? Two bullets hit Linda in the head and the chest, killing her instantly. One bullet hit Dan in the chest as he was reaching for the phone. One bullet hit the wall and one hit a nightstand. Dan was 44, just a few days shy of his 45th birthday, and Linda was 28. So, Bro. Um, evidence. You know, all that time that she was yelling that you were going through a midlife crisis, the fact that your wife is not even 30 and you're in your mid-40s does not look good for you. Right. So also like you shouldn't have been murdered. Right. It's not like Right. It's not If cops shouldn't be able to murder people in the street, then like, you know, us normal citizens also shouldn't be able to murder people <laughs> just as we please. <laughs> well, Aaron, now you're taking all the fun out of my life. I know, what I was I'm planning so to do on my drive home today, just pull over and kill someone. Just like, hey, you better hope that nobody gets murdered on your drive home because, like, you're going to be okay. the number one suspect. So my city has kind of the highest crime rate in Louisiana. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. listen, I could – I will probably pass. Is it at least raining now so that people will be inside? Oh, people get worse when it's raining. They all drive like idiots on the interstate. Like, it's never been wet before. Oh, that's here. Do what? Oh, that's here. You know, because it actually doesn't rain, and so – we like whenever it does rain people are like what's driving yeah yeah same um like they all get chicken little syndrome and have to like crash on the way home um mm -hmm. so um evidence was presented in her trial that betty had removed a phone and answering machine from dan broderick's bedroom so that he couldn't call for help um medical evidence indicated that dan had not died right away and Betty claimed that she had spoken to him after she shot him. Oh. Yeah. Honey, no. Betty turned herself into the police after uh, admitting she'd pulled the trigger five times. But at her trial, she said she didn't intend on murdering Dan and Linda when she went to the house. She claimed she only took the gun because she wanted him to listen to her and that if he hadn't, she would have killed herself and splashed my brains all over his goddamn house. And it's like, well, you're, you didn't go to plan. I guess this is like the best laid plans of mice and men kind of situation, huh? You know, I just, 
we spend a lot of time and we did it last week too talking about mental health and like very obviously untreated mental health conditions oh yeah and this is another one where like something especially if she did check herself into or was checked into a facility some the dro- the ball was dropped somewhere. oh absolutely um and i i believe that like, did happen i just bikes. i apparently didn't put it in my notes but that did happen in so far as i can okay could find because like oh man there's so many there's so many places where this could have turned around yeah and maybe they would have never had an amicable relationship and that's fine i mean not you know you don't have to be best friends with your ex it's not like a requirement even if you have kids together you don't have to be like bfs and like hang out it's like but man i feel like there's more that could have been done in this situation yeah to prevent this. for sure that sucks um medical evidence showed that dan hadn't died immediately um oh yeah so she claimed that as he was dying he said you got me i'm dead she said that in court so that's not the last words i want anyone to have said no um, um so when asked why she no, didn't attempt- that's what you should say at, like the, the end of a game of like an actual game of like cops and robbers right. or like um um hide and seek or like a video game right you know like that sh- like on a on a video game it's like oh you got me i'm dead right like, that is where those words belong right so when she was asked in um, court why she didn't attempt suicide after she killed the couple, she said she'd used up all of her bullets. I'm sorry. Um, the local community was shocked by the killings, seen as further evidence um, that the law has its limits. Um, Dan had told friends that if Betty was determined to kill him, there was nothing a restraining order could do. Like he had, he, his friends had gone on record to say that he'd said this to them. Um, at Betty's first murder trial in 1990, because as you pointed out, that more than one, at her first murder trial like in 1990, how? she used the defense that she was a battered wife, driven to murder by years of mental abuse at the hands of her ex-husband. Um, but the prosecution portrayed her as a ruthless murderer who had plotted and planned the killings. So the first trial was uh, declared a mistrial because it ended with a hung jury. Um, two jurors held out for manslaughter citing lack of intent ah I mean mm, I mean I understand now what the holdout was but also like when you take a gun somewhere right you're planning to kill someone right and her daughter testified in court that she'd said I'm gonna shoot them both which how hard is it must it be to testify against your own mom you know um a second trial went ahead a year later which was an almost like exact repeat of the first however this one ended with the jury returning a verdict of two counts of second degree murder betty was sentenced to two consecutive terms of 15 years to life plus two years for illegal use of a firearm um, Which I believe second degree is like non premeditated. So, it, like a crime of passion. It varies from state to state, but I think that in California, yes, it is a non. Okay. Um, so it's like a crime of passion. Right. In Louisiana, it's weird because to get first degree, it has to be in conjunction with another heinous crime. 
So second degree shows premeditation also, but first degree you have to have broken and entered or they have to be a child or an elderly mm-hmm. or, you know, like it has to go with, there's a very specific list. See in here, that's capital murder and that's what you get killed for. Yeah. Um, so at both trials, Betty insisted that the murders were not premeditated. She told the court, quote, the movement that I made into their bedroom woke their up and they moved and somebody screamed, call the police. And I said, no. And I just fired the gun and this big noise went off. And then I grabbed the phone and got the hell out of there. But I wasn't even in that room. I mean, it was just an explosion. Just, I moved, they moved, the gun went off and it was like, ah, and it was that fast. And I imagine that that's... I mean, you had to be in the room. You had to be in the room to get the phone. Yeah. Yes. I think she was trying to describe it as an out-of-body experience, but it made no sense no matter what she said. Sure. Um, So Betty... Okay, that makes a little more sense. Right. Betty also alleged that she fired the shots when Linda screamed, call the police, unaware that in the dark bedroom she'd aimed directly at the couple... And considering she hit Linda in the head and the chest, I find it very hard to believe that she accidentally, Yeah, you know. It's not an easy accidental <laughs> shot to make. Um, the prosecution successfully portrayed her as a cold-hearted narcissistic murderer. Um, the court heard several shocking messages that Betty had left on Dan's answering machine and was shown evidence of Dan's yeah. home being vandalized by Betty. She was described as being, quote, out of control, dangerous, and callous. Um, Prosecutor, the prosecutor on this trial gave this quote. Quote, I've had my fill of Elizabeth Broderick. She was not a battered woman. She was getting $16,000 a month in alimony. She had a million dollar, dollar La Jolla house. Like, look, I still panic. Did you hear it in my, in my like, the hesitation? You did. <laughs> a car, a boyfriend. I, I see abused women every day with broken bones and smashed faces. Give me a break. Um, so he was okay. not. First of all, I'm going to need you to track your privilege. Right. Um, Betty has been in prison since the day she committed the murders. In 2010, her first request for parole was denied because she didn't show any remorse and refused to acknowledge that she'd done anything wrong. At the parole hearing, two of her children asked the board to release their mother while the other two asked for her to be kept in prison. Yeah. Thanksgiving's real awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Betty was denied parole again in November 2011 and again in January 2017. And so she's not eligible again to ask for parole until January 2032. Wow. Yeah. Um, She has always. That's a long time. Yes. She has always described her actions as self-defense. And she told journalist Amy Wallace, quote, it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. How are you self-defending yourself when you're in someone else's house? And they're asleep. <laughs> Their snoring was aggressive. Okay. <laughs> um. She said, call the police. And even though I'd broken into their house, I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Let me, um, let me end with this quote. <clears throat> this is from Betty. Quote. 
Oh it always makes me mad when people call them the victims. Man, my kids were the victims. There are two dead people, but there were five victims. I mean, you were the perpetrator, so you can't really call yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Betty, God. Betty, Betty. Oh, God. So that's that. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend this season of Dirty John starring Amanda Peet. I think she was incredible in the role. Um, I was surprised at her ability with this role. Um, yeah. I tried not to get... M- I really like her, so... Yeah. I tried to get not much of my information from that show because there's so much out there. But also, uh, it is kind of a cut and dry case, like, in so far as these are the things that happen. There's not a whole lot of, um, well, this might have, except for abuse, which I believe the abuse happened. Again, like I said that at the top, I believe he was abusive. Yeah. I believe she sh- suffered a lot at his hand. And I, and I believe that, I believe he had a complex being somebody who went to two Ivy league schools back to back specifically so he could make all the money in the world in is indicative of, of a controlling kind of mentality. You you really can't be a doctor at all, or at least a good one without some kind of a God complex, right? Throw an attorney in there and it's like, forget about it. Right. Um, so doctors break down to god complex or superhero complex and um mm-hmm. and yeah. i am just i think i well and i i when i talk about god complex i'm mostly talking about surgeons like surgeons all surgeons have a god all have a god complex every single one of them and i wanted to be a surgeon so i can say that <laughs> <laughs> i also have a god complex so um i think if you add being attorney in there and yeah you know it's it's probably there's, you know, probably a 99.999% chance he was abusing her in some way. And even if it was just withholding her from, you know, gaining, you know, uh, comp, not comparable, competent legal representation oh, yeah. in their divorce. Like, that's abuse. Yeah. Um, You know, and so I think the truth of the matter lies somewhere in the middle between him claiming he wasn't abusive at all and her claiming like that she suffered a lot of abuse. I'm sure the truth lies somewhere oh, in the middle. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, I even think he was trying to hint at it when he said I was far from the kind of good loving husband I could have been. Um, I, I think yeah. that in that quote that ran in this article um, that he was trying to find a way to confess without confessing like how do i how do i tell the truth without incriminating myself kind of situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that sucks yeah you can be a doctor or a surgeon and have a god complex and not be a fucking bag of dicks <laughs> yes yeah in fact um i want that on a shirt you can have a god complex and not be a bag of dicks Lifetime sentence. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, I will get that in the works for you. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading Girl Eleven 
It is about a true crime podcaster that is based in Minnesota. She's trying. She solves cold cases, and she is working on a cold case, and inexplicably gets mixed up in the case, of course, or there wouldn't be a book. Right. And so, yeah, it's very good. Is it good? Okay. I might have mm-hmm. to put that on my list. It sounds good. Um, what are you reading? I am reading... Um, Half Sick of Shadows, I just picked up. It was one of my books of the month. Um, I know nothing about it yet, and I bought it solely because I love The Lady of Shalott, which is the um, the title comes from The Lady of Shalott. And uh, as I recall, I think it's uh, it's a Camelot story. I do remember that. Um, like oh, It cool. is a retelling of The Lady of Shalott. Um, that's cool. I'm also reading a book called, um, this is my audiobook called Flowers of Darkness, which is also really good. It's about a woman who gets invited. She's a writer and she gets invited to live in like a artist community, but something is not right in the community. It, it reminds me a lot of like Lock Every Door. Okay. Which I freaking loved that book. Yeah. So I'm really into it so far. Excuse me. Oh. Lock Every Door is like one of the scariest books I've ever read. And it just, not because it's like inherently scary. It hits on a very specific fear that I have. And like that like really made it for me. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. I don't know what we're doing next week. We'll figure it out. I don't. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't either. Um, I know that Lifetime has announced some more upcoming stuff. Um, I know I'm really excited for the Shannon Doherty remake I texted you about or told you in person. Yes. Um, of um, no one would, was it no one would tell or what? Uh-uh. It's not no one would tell. It's the sorority one. Um, Hold on. It's in our Instagram that I sent to myself. Um. Dying to Belong. Yes, Dying to Belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, be really good. I'm not sure if that's a true case, but... It is. I found the case that it's inspired from. And do more from. sorority stories. Oh, awesome. Because I refuse to cover the Harry and Meghan movie. I won't do it. You can do it by yourself. I'm not doing it. I, I was wondering if we were going to do that. Um, no. Yes. Unless y'all just want to hear me like rip Meghan Markle's shreds for an hour and a half. I mean, if you do like weigh in, let us know. But I mean, I'm not going to be nice to her because I don't care for her at all. And so. Right. And I think this movie is absolute garbage. So. Well, I don't I don't know why you would think that because surely it's based completely in fact with no bias and with actors who look exactly like the people. One thing I will say <laughs> the girl that plays Megan Markle, I think, is prettier than Megan. Oh, Markle. yes, me too. Um. And, like, I just, you know, I'm like one of those people that, like, I don't want to just, like, purposely come on and bash her because I can and I have a platform. Like, if y'all want to hear me do it, that's fine. But I don't want to just do it. And that's why I avoid the movie is because I can't stand her. Right. And I know I have a very biased opinion. And so, you know, I just, I just don't know why. And I, I, it's, 
I don't actually care why. I just know that I like to rile you up about her. It's so fun for me. Mm-hmm. Like I just strike a match and watch away, walk away and watch it burn. I watch away and walk it burn. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you all should do instead of watching that movie is go to HBO Max and watch the new um, cartoon that's based on the royal family. Okay. And I can't remember what it's called. It is fucking hilarious. It is so funny. Hold on, I can pull it up real quick. Gary Janetti. Uh oh no. He worked on Family Guy, but it's called the uh it's called The Prince. And it's it like is centered around Sassy Prince George. Yes. It is absolutely amazing. It's so funny. I hope they make another season. It is hilarious. I love it. It's so great. Did you see the pictures that came out this week of Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana? I did. I really loved that one. So I am. It does not even look like Kristen Stewart. No. Because I'm like, who the fuck? It doesn't look like Diana either. Uh-uh. I just want to like put that. But it doesn't look like Kristen no, Stewart. No, that's what I thought. <laughs> I love that photo and I love the photo it's referencing. Like, it's so iconic, mm-hmm. the, the press photo they dropped. But that's what I thought, too. Like, it doesn't look like Kristen Stewart. I've also never been a big Kristen Stewart fan, and I know you are, but you're not. I'm not, Oh, I thought you were. Okay. Um, But I am curious to see how this movie goes. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm very interested to see um, what they do wrong. Maybe we'll cover this movie, what they do wrong, what they do right. Um, I know so much about Princess Diana's life. Like, I can spot it from a mile away. (laughs) And I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's going to be good it looks to be very well done yes so, um and I, I mean everyone's like oh that picture's so iconic the I, the most iconic when i think of princess diana i think of her in that black dress yep after she gets divorced yep that's what i was about to say too that's the most iconic picture of her yep all right great well um i oh socials <laughs> i was like what else is left i knew there was something before saying goodbye well, first, I just want to shout out, like, if you guys are in New Orleans, like, all of our love. Um, y'all are yes. roughing it right now. Y'all have no power, I keep seeing. Um, it's real bad. Hopefully, it, it looks like, it still looks like the hurricane's moving very quickly, which is, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And But it seems to be moving quickly and, and keep moving quickly, which is always preferable. So Yeah. All of our love, you know, yes. stay safe. Absolutely. Um. Oh, and the other thing I want to shout out on a completely different and less, like, heartfelt note. Um, y'all, join us on Discord. We're having so much fun. Oh, my God. The tea is scalding. Yes. Yes. I and I just, I love our little community there. I would love to see it bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, it's I. so much fun. I appreciate and enjoy these lovely people who come and hang out with us. Um yeah. And it's and everyone's like, you want some tea? Even though you don't know what's going on or the people involved. And I'm like, always, always, always. Uh, always. <laughs> also, the Discord is not the Aaron and Paul show. It is not us leading the conversation. Mm-hmm. We are just active participants in the in everybody else's lives and conversations. And I love that. No. So. I barely ever start posts in there. I sometimes do, but not very often. Yeah. It's always other people. So. Yep. Come and join us. 
My poor stone kitty is still asleep in case you wanted an update. I was worried. Is she asleep or dead is kind of the game that I'm playing right now. She's asleep. She is not dead. <laughs> She's just sleeping. Toasty kitty. She's very tired. Poor baby. All right. Well, if you would like to spend more time with us, hop on over to Instagram and find us at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod, at Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You can find yep. episodes and show notes and merch at LifetimeSentence.com. You can shoot us an mm-hmm. email at podcast at Lifetime Sentence. Um, or hang out with us at Patreon. I just recorded the most ridiculous case of ev- like story I've ever recorded. It is so niche, but we had so much fun with it. Um, um yeah, pa- and I still have to check out with all my unicorn heads and new paint. Yes, yes. Come discover Aaron's Etsy shop <laughs> in our Patreon episode at Patreon.com/slash/LifetimeSentence. Absolutely. And maybe I'll make a, a unicorn head and send one to all of our patrons. That would be hilarious. <laughs> and um, most importantly, don't forget to eat all of your vegetables. Charge your phone and don't take horse dewormer. It's bad for you. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to say candy from strangers. And I was like, okay, dare. Like, <laughs> Yeah, please don't take. Nope, we've moved on. All right. Well, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>